welcome to The Mind Speaks, a podcast brought to you by the team of clinical psychologists and counselors at The Mind Psychological Services and Training. We look forward to sharing fun interviews, interesting tips and information, and useful resources. We're excited to speak to you soon! Hi there, it's me again, Joel here, um, for another episode of Joel Blabs. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the actual process of going to see a therapist, right? I think one of the biggest concerns or one of the more common questions that we get from our clients, especially first-time, first-timers, right? People who come in and see a therapist for the first time is, what's the process going to be like? I think um, TV and, and the movies and Hollywood and whatnot has not done therapy any favours like in that sense, right? Because for many of us, when we think about the idea of going to see a therapist, what we imagine our mind straight away is um, lying down on a couch and an uh, old 60-something, 70-year-old guy in glasses and a coat asking us about our parents and whether they've hit us as children or beat us as children or things like that, right? Or whether we got any sweets taken away from us or given, given to us for that matter, yeah? And whilst that is a form of therapy, that, that's basically what we call, uh, it's very old school kind of therapy styles, right? Um, those stereotypical uh, scenarios or scenes that we see in the movies are basically um, are usually done by people who practice something called psychodynamic psychotherapy. Um, but again, that's really old school. I think over the years, it's gotten much more modernized and it's gotten much better, right? Nowadays, for example, CBT or cognitive behavior therapy, that's one of the more common um, used modalities for therapy nowadays, right? And for those kind of modalities, it's really, it, we don't do a couch anymore. I wish we had a couch for the therapist, but no, we don't have a couch anymore. It's really about two people sitting down and having a conversation together. La, yeah? So going back to the original question, you know, what's therapy going to be like and whether I need to prepare for anything or not? And the answer really is no, you don't have to, right? Um, usually when clients come in and they ask, oh, what do I need to prepare for our session? I'll tell them, nothing really. You just need to rock up, uh, come in for the session on the day, right? And just pre- come prepared, ready to speak, right? And that's basically what we want, okay? Now, in the first session, what usually happens is that we want to do something called an intake, right? Now, the intake is important for two reasons. And I think this is the, the, these are some really important reasons for us to take note of, right? The first reason, of course, is for us to get as much information from you guys as possible. And the reason why we want this information is so that we can have a good baseline of what's going on, what's happening, the history of the problem, whether it's happened before, um, if it's happened before, how did it look like, um, how did it manifest itself, whether the, you've been to any therapies or other treatment forms before and things like that, right? And this will allow us to then build an, uh, an, uh, uh, an idea, like, I suppose, like, or give us a baseline of what's going on and also to start charting or planning the kind of treatment interventions that will be useful for you, all right? Any good therapist, both their salt, would uh, indefinitely include you in this process as well, like the, the planning of the treatment plan, right? And this is important because, you know, uh, as, as, as good as we are at what we do, at least hopefully I am good at what I do, like I hope that I'm good at what I'm doing, um, I'm not an expert of you, right? You are the expert of yourself. And I think that's an important um, distinction to make because a therapist shouldn't tell you what to do, right? I think a lot of people go into therapy thinking that they're going to get advice or, or direction from the, the therapist. And that's really not what we do, right? I mean, ultimately, we can't give you any advice because we are not you, right? Um, we can help you make decisions on what you want to do and, and how you're going to go about doing it. But we can't actually make decisions and say, oh, you know what, to get better or to, to succeed in life, you can do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. We don't do that at all, right? Because it's a collaboration between us and, and you. 
one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that it's not your typical uh, doctor-patient kind of a relationship, where the doctor tells you to do uh, take take a pill, for example, or for for antibiotics or something like that. You take it and then passively you get better. It doesn't work like that in therapy, right? In therapy, it's a collaboration between you and your your therapist, where the therapist would guide you and work with you to try and figure out things and understand why the things are happening, and perhaps offer you a few skills and techniques to try and overcome them, right? But then um, the ball then goes back into your court and then you're supposed to go back and practice and try out the different things that we've talked about and see whether it helps you out or not. Right? So that's therapy in a nutshell. Right. And the second next important thing about that first intake session is um, to check and see whether you and your therapist are a good fit or not. Yeah. So let me give you an example. You know, when you guys go into a party or you go into a new classroom, for example, a new workplace, yeah, the instant you step in, you're gonna notice some there are some people that you feel that you can instantly click with, and there are other people that you just cannot tahan and you just want to slap them that kind of thing right um, and that has to do with the idea of rapport right so we get along better with some people and we don't get along well with other people in that sense right and in therapy because of how important that therapeutic relationship is between you and your therapist this is something that I think is actually really important and that's something that's really understated actually in the world of therapy right especially here in Malaysia and that idea is that, you know, you see a therapist and you check and see whether you feel you've got a good uh, chemistry or a good working relationship with your therapist or not. And usually by the end of the first session, you should be able to tell already like, whether you are uh, ngam with this person or not, like, in that sense, right? So if you sit down, you have that conversation with your therapist for the first time and you feel really comfortable, it feels like you're talking to a friend, great. That means you found a good therapist, your guy's a good match, please continue on and do some wonderful work together. But... The instant you sit down, you feel a bit awkward, a bit something's awry, you don't feel right, you feel like I'm really uncomfortable, then maybe it's a good idea for you to um, check out and, and, and look for someone else like in a sense and try and find someone that's a good fit for you. Right. Um, I think what's important here is that don't worry about like worrying about things like, oh, I'm going to offend my therapist or they're going to think that I hate them and all that. Seriously, don't worry about it because we're trained to, to, keep, to, 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 to be okay with that, right? Because it's part of parcel of the work that we do. I think we as therapists, we are very um, cognizant about the fact that we are not going to jive well with every single person. There are going to be people who we jive well with and some people we don't jive well with, uh, don't jive well with right? So if you guys feel that you're not comfortable with a therapist, let us know, right? Most centers, um, like my ours, for example, at the mine, we've got a team here, right? So what we'll do is that if you don't find that you have a good fit with your therapist, what we'll do is we'll try and match you with someone else. And if we can't do that, we'll refer you to another center outside that hopefully you'll find someone that's a good fit for you in that sense, right? I think ultimately for the majority of therapists out there, we want to try and make sure that you get the help that you need the way, the best way that you can get it like in that sense. Yeah? And we don't, uh, me especially, or at least the team especially here at the mind, don't see a point of forcing someone to have therapy or just say, oh no, what, you've picked Joel, for example, and you only stick with Joel for perpetually. There's no such thing, right? Um, I think another misconception that people have is that, oh, I want to see the most experienced or most expensive therapist in the team and because they're the best. And you know what? Honestly, that's not true, right? I think the like for us example in at the mine, right? We've got both senior and junior therapists, right? And the main distinction between a senior and junior therapist is basically the amount of years they practice, right? So like me, for example, I've practiced for about ten years, so I'm considered a senior therapist. Anyone with five years and above at the mine is considered a senior therapist, right? And obviously, my fees are a bit more expensive than a junior therapist, right? Now. That does mean I have more experience, yes. But if the rapport between you and I are, is not great, right? That means we, the instant we sit down and start talking to one another, it feels like we're rubbing two, um, I don't know, sand, two pieces of sandpaper together, yeah? It doesn't matter how experienced I am, it's not going to be useful for you, right? 
it's more important that you find someone that you're comfortable with first and foremost. That should be your first defining criteria like, when you're choosing a therapist. And then from there, try and find someone who is both a good fit and also someone who is uh, competent enough to help you deal with the issues that you're going through. La. All right. So I think when, just to recap a little bit, when you come in for the first session, those are the two most important things that you look out for. La, yeah? First one is to provide as much information as you can. Don't worry about things like oversharing and things like that. No. As a therapist, for me, for example, the more you share, the better it is because then I've got more information, the more I've got to draw upon on when we're talking about intervention plans and whatnot. La, right? And the second important thing is for you to see whether you and your therapist are a good fit or not. And again, remember, don't worry about offending us or anything like that. We don't take things personally. La, right? I think the whole point of you coming to see a therapist is really to have someone who's objective, who's non-judgmental to speak to. I think that's the inherent value behind seeing a therapist, la, right? Because the difference between us and a friend is that a friend might have their own uh, baggage, your own history between you and them, for example. You might worry whether or not that friend is someone who can hold your secrets and contain them or hold your emotions even and contain them and not be triggered by them. Um, and that's the worry sometimes, right? But with a therapist, you're going to get all of that, right? Or at least a good, competent therapist should be able to give you all of that. Yeah? Now, the reason why you hear me saying uh, good, competent therapist quite a bit um, in this part is because, unfortunately, in Malaysia, in the real world of psychology, there are still a lot of um, cowboys out there, or charlatans even, in that sense, right? So, because it's not as regulated as it should be, although it is improving, on the 1st of July 2020, um, they actually passed the Allied Health Act, and that will eventually govern all clinical psychologists practicing in Malaysia. And with counsellors, of course, we've got the LKM, Lembaga Counseling in Malaysia, and Pakama as well, overlooking the counsellors. But for a clean site, right, unfortunately, it's a bit of a cowboy town in the sense that there is very little regulation, right? And what that means is that there are actually a lot of people out there masquerading as clinical psychologists or worse yet, they think they're clinical psychologists but they're not actually clinical psychologists because of the amount of training they receive of, or training they believe they've had like, in that sense. Like, right? Now, look, I'm in no way dissing anyone. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. Not at all. Okay? And that's not my intention at all and of, of this. right? But I just want to make sure that people are aware that if you're looking to, find a, to work with a clinical psychologist, do your background research, ask questions, make sure you do... Ask around with friends and peers, for example, to see whether this person that you're interested to work with is legitimate or not, right? So, um, full disclosure, I'm part of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology, right? And we maintain a registry of all um, clinical psychologists that are registered with our organisation. And what we do as an organisation is to go through everyone's application to make sure that they have the minimum required um, education parameters to become a practitioner. In Malaysia, you need a minimum a master's degree uh, in clinical psychology to practice. And this master's should last for at least two years and have at least uh, up f between 1,500 to 2,000 hours of training hours, right? So whenever you want to approach a new clinical psychologist and you want to work with them, right, it's, there's nothing wrong with you asking, can I know about your credentials? Can I know about your training? Right? And that would be a really good way to help you decide whether or not this person is a legitimate practitioner and is able to help you uh, competently la, in that sense. Right? Another good way is to go on to mscp.my. That's our website, mscp.my. And there's a registry, registry that we keep there and we list down all our members, all their data, information, where they are at, what their contact details are, what kind of setting they work in, whether it's governmental or private, for example. And you can find someone who is legitimate la, and competent la, to help you out through uh, your difficulties that you're going through. La. Okay? 
So that's it from me today. Just to uh, recap a little bit, today's pod was really about me talking about uh, what's it like to see a therapist for the first time, what to look out for on your own, and also what to look out for in your therapist as well. And I really hope that you guys will be able to have a good, uh, effective, um, beneficial experience when you see your therapist for the first time. I um, hope the information helps. Have a good one, guys. All right. Bye-bye.